Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Uh, I've been praying this prayer uh, this week, and it's a prayer that I want to offer to every single one of you as we start a new year, and it's simply two words, increase Jesus. You say that with me? Increase Jesus. Uh, If you don't know my story, I grew up in the church, very grateful for that. In fact, I grew up in a church where we had New Year's Eve service, and so we were up celebrating, and then we started dessert at like 1230, and then if it was a Sunday morning, we probably would have just stayed for the morning service, to be honest, and then had Sunday night service, and then start a week of prayer uh, for eight days that week, like just keep going. Uh, Some of you will catch that joke in a couple seconds, eight days in a week. Uh, we, were, we were just constantly there. And I can kind of know from my own experience that oftentimes as a new year begins, if you're a Christian today, it's so tempting to start thinking about the increase that we want the Lord to bring. And, and that's, that's okay. Maybe you're praying, you know, God increase my health this year or change my financial situation or my relationships. And, and that's, that's fine. However, <laughs> The greatest increase that you and I need is an increase of Jesus himself. Like, think of what we just sang. I will be content in every circumstance. That's a dangerous song to sing. Like, I wouldn't sing that if I didn't know what it meant if I were you. Just a little warning. Like, I think more so the Americanized version of that might be when I'll be content in some circumstances— In a few circumstances, if my relationships are healthy, if my boss is happy, if my kids are doing well, if the money's flowing, then I'll be content. But I'll be content in every circumstance. How is that possible? Well, a two-word prayer. Increase, Jesus. Increase, Jesus. Like, that's the prayer. So my question to you this morning is— Do you want more of Jesus in your life this year? Do you want more of him? And if that's your desire, here's the cool part. We're not the first people to pray this prayer or to desire this. When Jesus walked this earth, there was also a man named John. He was known as John the baptizer because he was baptizing people. And on one particular day, John's disciples, his followers come to him and they say, John, 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 there's a problem. Um, Now that this Jesus guy is here, more people are going to Jesus instead of us. Like, do you guys understand that? Like, competition is ensuing, and they're trying to get more followers on their Instagram page, and they're trying to increase revenue sales, and they're trying to make sure people come to John the baptizer for all their baptizing needs. For $9.99, I will dunk you in the Jordan. And then now Jesus is here, and more people are coming to him, and they're a little upset about this. And John responds with humility. And John says what you and I need to say as we start a new year and truthfully as we start every day that God gives us on this earth. Here's what John says in John chapter 3 verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Can we say this verse together? He must increase, but I must decrease. 
increase, Jesus. That is a dangerous prayer. That is a prayer of surrender. That is a statement of, God, I want more of you in my life. Yeah, but do you understand what that means? If you have more of me, that means there has to be less of you. Oh. God, I want more of your presence. I want more of who you are. Yeah, that's cool. I'll do that. I'm God. You have to decrease. You have to let go of your thoughts and your ways and your plans and your dreams and everything that you might have mapped out for this year. You have to surrender it to the Lord. I have to surrender it to the Lord and say, if I want more of Jesus, if I want increased Jesus, the prayer that goes with that is decrease, Keith. You need less of me. Now, as I think about this year and we're sitting in this setting, it sounds so glorious. Like, think of how your year would be, how your week would be if there was more Jesus in your life. Right, you get into your car. Jesus is in the passenger seat. Oh, Jesus, what are you doing? You drive, man. All right. He's taking you where you need to go and he's leading the way at your job or in your home and he's bringing together your marriage, your singleness. He's, he's, he's doing all of this and at the same time, he's saying, hey, if you want more of me, if, like if you're gonna let me in, I have to have the wheel. You've gotta decrease. So what is it then, because this sounds great, what could help us decrease ourselves? Like, that's the question to explore. Is there practical things that you and I may do, may implement, because the Christian life is not just one of saying a prayer and then sitting on the sidelines and doing nothing. Jesus says, go, right? Just follow me, obey. So what might we do today in this year that would cause an increase of Jesus and a decrease of us? And, and this is a scary word, but stay with me. We're going to walk through it. We're going to unpack it together. And here it is spiritual disciplines. And maybe when you hear that phrase, or specifically that word disciplines, like my son does when he hears that word, something in you shrinks in fear and says, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Because we think of discipline in such a negative context. That discipline comes when there's something wrong. That's not discipline. This week, I know that there's going to be a whole lot of people who are disciplined enough to go to the gym. And it's going to be miserable for people like me who go every single day, all day long at the year. But then I know that January 12th is going to come. And the discipline is going to stop. <laughs> and I won't have to see some of them until next January. <laughs> right? When we think of discipline, we think of it in terms of, man, what's negative in my life? But spiritual disciplines are so important, so healthy. You're disciplined. Some of you were disciplined enough this morning to brush your teeth. We thank you for that. Right? You, you disciplined, put on a proper attire. You're here. Uh, you hopefully obeyed the, the traffic patterns that you chose to obey this morning. Some stoptionals, yellow speed up. That's between you and Jesus. But you were disciplined in some regards to obey the rules of the road. So like you and I know discipline. So Let's apply it in a spiritual sense. Now, what you need to know about Belize Church, especially if this is your first time here, we preach the gospel. Okay, here's what that means. You and I are sinners apart from the grace of God. And it is his grace that saves us, that rescues us. Jesus paid the price. He does all the work 
So spiritual disciplines are not the path to salvation, but they are the path after you're saved. Does that make sense? Because I want you to understand, this isn't about, oh, if I pray, if I fast, if I read my Bible, if I tithe, if I worship, if I serve, if I do these things, then God will love me and accept me, right? No. It's not based on that. His love and his acceptance for you is totally based on him and his character. He is love. And God sent his son to this world because he loves you. But too often, then, we can grow complacent and just say, okay, well, if I'm saved, if I'm loved, then I, I can just kind of live my life. No, no, you're, you're missing out. Spiritual disciplines are great. Let me read you a few quotes. Uh, spiritual disciplines are ways of living that imitate the way Jesus lived. Here's what Dallas Willard says. We can become like Christ by doing one thing. Here's the one thing. If you want to become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him, in the overall style of life, he chose for himself. Okay? If you want to become like Christ, there's one thing that we do. We live like him. We follow what he did. So let me, let me give you a, a little list here. Jesus prayed, so we pray. Okay, now, answer along with me. It's going to follow that, right? Jesus fasted, so we Jesus sought solitude, so we seek solitude. That means rest. That means time alone with the Father. Jesus worshiped, so we. Jesus served, so we. He's the reason. He's the motivation. Here's the thing. You and I, we can't be Jesus. We, we can't be him, but we can be made into his image through the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and spiritual disciplines are so beautiful and they, they guide us on this journey. So where have we been this morning? We're praying increase Jesus, decrease Keith. You're saying decrease who you are, more of Jesus. And God's saying, okay, I've got these beautiful pathways for you, these spiritual disciplines. And this morning, I want to talk about one that may be the most challenging if you, like me, love food. Can I get a good amen for my foodies? Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about fasting this morning. Fasting. Oh, what is fasting? Well, very basically, fasting is going without food. It's going without food. So the question then should come up is, okay, uh, pastor, how is that Christian? <laughs> like, what's the Christian aspect? How does this fall into the spiritual disciplines? Because to meet you there, other religions incorporate fasting into their religious practices. People fast for medical reasons. Uh, if you've partnered with a dietitian at some point, maybe they've said, hey, we're going to abstain from these foods. We're going to fast. How then is fasting Christian? Let me just read to you a little bit. When we fast, we go without. And in those moments of hunger and longing, we discover what we're putting our hope in. Some of you have used the word hangry before. Okay, that's the point where the hunger is showing you what's actually in you that you've put your hope in. It, it happens. What we're looking to for satisfaction. Here's what Richard Foster says. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. 
This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of God. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other good things. But in fasting, those things come to the surface. So if pride controls us and you just fast breakfast, you're going to see pride welling up in you as the day goes on. If you're controlled by greed, by lust, by anger, by selfishness, you just skip a meal or two and you'll, you'll see, it'll come there. You'll, you'll call it hangry, but the Holy Spirit will say, no, actually, I want to put my finger on that and I want to heal that. Uh, here's, here's what John Piper says. Fasting is the physical exclamation point at the end of the sentence. This much, oh God, I long for you. And I, I know it's challenging. We're going to talk about it. But I just want you this morning to begin with a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of, okay, what might this spiritual discipline do in my life to form me more into the image of Jesus? And again, what are the spiritual disciplines? Well, they are ours because they were first Jesus's. What do we all say together? Jesus prayed, so we. Jesus worshiped, so we. And Jesus served, so we. Jesus fasted, so we. I noticed less of you said that one than the other ones. Fasting isn't easy. Okay? It's, it's, it's not easy. And today, my hope is not that you will walk out of here some fasting giant and champion and say, you know what, I'm going to do this 21 straight days of nothing but a water bottle. That is not the prayer or the hope for us this morning. Here's my prayer and hope for you, that you would leave here this morning with scripture and a prayer to the Holy Spirit to say, what are you calling me to lay down as the new year begins? That's it. But let's turn to scripture and let's see what Jesus did because the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us that Jesus fasted. So if we look to him as our example and our substitute, then maybe this morning we might find some real motivation why fasting is beautiful. Here's what we read in Matthew chapter four, verse one and two. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <clears throat> to which I would say, obviously. Right? Like, I don't know if we needed that little disclaimer there, Matthew, but thanks for putting that in there. After fasting, going without food, 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is hungry. But did you notice? Let's go back to verse one. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So after Jesus enters the scene and is water baptized, the Spirit then leads him into the wilderness for the purpose of testing and to be prepared for the testing that he will face. Jesus chooses the spiritual discipline of fasting. So here's what I take from this moment. Uh, anyone remember 2020? Yeah, all of us. Yes, that's an easy one. Uh, at the beginning of 2020, do you know what our church did? 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is just part of our church. None of us knew that 2020 was coming the way it came. 
And yet, there was a preparedness even in our church. Why? Because the Spirit sometimes leads us into the wilderness to be tested. And I want to be prepared. Like, as much as you and I may think we know what 2023 is going to look like, we really don't. You don't know. You don't have that, that much assurance of what your, your later is going to look like, let alone a year. So Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted, his preparation strategy is fasting. Let me go without so that I might draw closer to the Father because I don't know what's coming next. I just want to create something in you this morning that would say maybe there's something to this. Maybe God knows what's coming this year and this week and the best way for me to be prepared for whatever that is is to fast. It's to draw close to him. And so Jesus does this. Now let's read about his temptation. Verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you see what the tempter does in this moment? He, he's aware that Jesus has been preparing for this test through fasting. And he says, hey, son of God, you're so great. You're so powerful. Why don't you make bread in the wilderness? And, and he's appealing to both his physical nature. Remember, what's Jesus right now? He is hungry. So, hey, you can solve your hunger right now. You're God. And he's attacking his identity if you are the son of God, this is easy for you. Make some bread in the wilderness. And what does Jesus do? He combats the temptation by quoting scripture, specifically Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. We're going to read a little bit of it in just a moment. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Man doesn't just live on the bread alone. On every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus begins his ministry with fasting and he continues to triumph over the enemy in the wilderness through fasting. There's just something about this spiritual practice. Maybe that's why it is so challenging. It is so hard. There's something about it. And Jesus is victorious. And if you know this temptation moment, he's not just tempted one time or two times, but how many times? Three times. The tempter comes. And all three times, Jesus responds with words from Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible. There's something there that you and I have to see. Because today, and if you so choose to fast spiritually, it can't just be, well, I guess I'll just do it. Maybe I'll lose some weight in the process. That's a plus. Uh, I'll draw closer to God and, and there's, there's got to be something bigger here, and there is something bigger that's happening during Jesus' fast. Let's read the words of Deuteronomy and see these parallels between Jesus in the wilderness and Israel in the wilderness. Look at what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you. Who is Jesus led by? What we read in Matthew. He was led by who? The Spirit, by God. All the way in the wilderness. Oh, Jesus was led to the wilderness these 40 years. How long was Jesus fasting for? 
40 days, 40 nights, to humble and, what's that word? Test you. Why did the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tested? You just see these beautiful parallels in Scripture in order to know what was in your heart. So for Israel, God says, I led you into the wilderness for 40 years to test you, to expose what's in your heart. What have we discovered that fasting does? It brings to the surface what's in our heart. It will show us what we're looking to for our satisfaction, whether it's God or anything else. And that's what Israel did, whether or not you would keep his commands. Verse three says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you, and there's the verse Jesus quotes, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So, I don't know. I just think there's way too many similarities between Israel and the wilderness and Jesus in the wilderness for us to just say, huh, that's cute. What a coincidence. There's got to be something there because what we believe is that every page of scripture points us to who? To Jesus. It's, it's all about him. Jesus is the fulfillment. So watch this. Jesus in the wilderness through 40 days of fasting and to be tested by enemy is the fulfillment of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, let me read you this quote that puts it so beautifully. Jesus was saying, in effect, I have been sent to lead the people of God out of the bondage of sin into the promised land of salvation. To do this, I must be one of them. That is why I was born, right? We just celebrated that Advent, the coming of the Savior. That is why I was baptized. Therefore, I will take on the testing that they experienced. Now, now, see this. I will represent them in the wilderness and allow my heart to be probed with fasting to see where my allegiance is and who is my God. Each one of those tests, the enemy is doing his best to thwart the redemptive plan of God. And Jesus is standing strong. He's saying, no way. I came for this. And with the Spirit's help, I will triumph through fasting. I will overcome the devil and lead all who trust in me into the promised land of eternal glory. Amen. Jesus came and was tested on our behalf and died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that you and I might enter the promised land of eternal glory. What does that do in your spirit as you hear that? Does it fill you with awe and gratitude to the one who went without? Because Jesus did not just go without food to obtain us. He went without everything to obtain us. He lays down his life on the cross. Why? So that you and I might be called the sons of God, the daughters of God, his children. He goes without. So when we fast, one, we know that we are not going without to the degree that our Savior went without. 
We are, in fact, identifying in a small way with what he experienced in a grand way for you. He gave it all up. So like in moments where you're fasting and you're saying, I just, I don't know. I think what I most need right now is a double cheeseburger with some mac sauce. It's just what my heart's craving. The Holy Spirit comes alongside and gets to say, who you most need is the one who gave up everything to obtain you. Draw close to him. Trust in him. He must increase. Every time we fast, we are declaring like Jesus, not by bread alone. Not by bread alone. It's just so beautiful. So I, I want to point out something and then just kind of give you something very practical for you to consider this week. But I want to point out something super important. There is a danger when it comes to fasting. And scripture doesn't talk about the physical danger. Uh, disclaimer, you need to talk to your doctor about that, okay? Not your doctor. So as you, as you consider this, scripture doesn't give us the handles on, you know, how long and, and all of that, but it does show us something more dangerous than a physical danger when it comes to fasting. And it's a spiritual danger that we have to be aware of. Uh, let me read again Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. After he says, live on, not, don't live on bread alone. Here's what we read. God fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you see what the Lord is saying to the people of Israel? It's kind of interesting. God fed you with manna so that you would know you don't live on bread alone. Confused by that? It's like, wait, wouldn't you make us hungry to make us realize we don't live by bread alone? Isn't that the, the fasting is going without? Why does he say he fed you with manna? Well, what is manna? Manna is what is it. That's the actual name. What is it? They had never seen it before and they called it manna. It was this miracle bread, watch this, that God provided in the wilderness every day for his people. Miracle bread in the wilderness. What did the tempter tempt Jesus to do in the wilderness? Make some miracle bread. Why don't you turn these stones into bread right now? The tempter knew Israel's history, and he knew the power that Jesus had. Hey, you're able to make manna for 40 years. Just go ahead and do it right now. And Jesus quotes this. But here we read that God feeds the people with this miracle bread so that they would not trust in bread alone. Here's what we need to see about this moment and the danger of fasting. We do not fast for the miracle bread. Please do not use fasting as some holy bargaining chip with God. Hey, if I fast... I mean, you got to come through for me. My marriage will be better. My kids will respect me. I'll get a new job. I'll find that physical healing I'm looking for. All of that. Manna. Like, and here's what we got to see. God can do it. He can do that. He's got no problem doing that. He is the one who fed people for 40 years. He can make the manna fall. But the manna has a purpose 
the purpose is so that we don't look for the manna. The manna's purpose is to point us to the one who does all things well, who has the plan. Jesus' response that man does not live on bread alone, it shows us don't trust in bread, not even miracle bread. Rather, trust in God. He must increase. And just for God to like put a bow on this whole thing for us, here's what Jesus declares about himself in John 6. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. You guys, you should read your Bible more. Isn't this cool? I mean, I was bugging out as I was reading this. I'm like, hold on, Holy Spirit. So we're going to start in Matthew. We're going to go back to Deuteronomy. Then you're going to tie it up in John. Are you kidding me? It's like you inspired this. He did, by the way. But like, look at that. So Jesus tells, actually, if you were to read all of John 6, it is another moment where the crowds are saying, Jesus, give us bread. It's after he's provided for more than 5,000 and they come back the next day and they're like, yeah, that's cool. You did it once. Our, our ancestors ate for 40 years. In other words, we want another happy meal. Feed us again. Prove it with day two. And he goes, fine. I am the bread of life. Who you and I most need as we start this year is the bread of life himself. Listen, I'm praying with you that your marriage will be restored. I'm praying with you that this body, cancer, whatever it is, will be healed. I'm praying with you for financial relief. I'm praying with you for children who are far from God to be brought close to the Father. But please do not chase that and miss the bread of life in the process. Because here's what will happen. You will get to the end of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you will think that God owes you. And he's already given you everything in the bread of life. And so we need to start this year by saying, God, even if you were not to provide one miracle bread, you've already given me everything in the bread of life. You've given me everything in Jesus. So don't worry about those other things. Ask, seek, knock, believe, yes. But, but no, God can do it. He could rain down manna right now if he needed to. He's already given us the bread of life. So where are we going as a church now, hopefully with some understanding? Starting next Sunday, January 8th, we will be getting 21 days of prayer and fasting. January 8th to January 28th. Uh, and we want to resource you as a church. Uh, on our website, blazechurch.org slash 21 days, there are resources on prayer, on fasting. Every morning, starting January 9th, that Monday at 7 a.m., we will be joining Church of the Highlands. Uh, you just heard from Pastor Dino Rizzo. He's one of the pastors there. We'll be joining them online for a live prayer service, and that'll be up for the entire day for you to go back and, and watch and worship. Every Saturday during this time, we will be having live prayer services at our church building at 9 a.m., where you can come in and you can pray and you can be around others and worship the Lord. So like we are going to gather and pray online and in person for 21 days. And of course, our Sunday morning services. Fasting. Uh, real brief, because it's all on our website. 
And today, when you leave, we actually have printed out what's there for you. And so this will go into, well, what, what kind of fast should I do? What's the purpose as we're discovering? And hey, there's complete fast. There's partial fast. You, know, you might want to abstain from sugar for these 21 days. There's also a soul fast, which I just, as your pastor, strongly, strongly recommend you do, which means just delete your social media for three weeks. Oh, no, but I'm building something in the algorithms. No, it's fine. They don't care that much about you, to be honest. <laughs> Text somebody to ask them how they're doing instead of going on and scrolling for three hours and then feeling bad about yourself afterwards. Like a soul fast, like for our family, it's what we do. No social media, no screens for three weeks. It's at night, it is books and Bibles. I'm just giving you handles and what we do. Not because not I'm great. And trust me, it's hard. I, I, little TMI, I don't know what to do with myself sometimes, going to the bathroom. So use the phone. Don't act like you don't either. <laughs> That's when you do all your scrolling. All right, so now go in with the Bible. Okay, you can read through Proverbs, <laughs> read through the Psalms. Your battery life on your phone is going to be, you're like, why? My battery's working so much better. <laughs> yeah, because you're not on it. Right, I mean, it's just, but I'm telling you, church, like, just hear me. Just God wants to give you more of himself, but you can't pray increase God at the same time. There's no decrease of you. He's just, he's so much better than all of that junk. So you'll get these on your way out. Uh, and then for our prayer services, we, Pastor Chris Hodges, Church of the Highlands, just released a brand new book called Pray First. Uh, and we have Hundreds of these at our church building for you when you come to a prayer service. You're like, Pastor Keith, you're not giving it to a staff? No. No. <laughs> you, get, you get this now, all right? I gotta, I gotta do a little bit here, all right? Uh, but you get three Saturdays, people. I mean, come on. You can do this. And, and then, yes, it, we're going to be giving these out at our prayer services, and uh, some of our small group leaders will have these as well for groups. Um, and then, this is really cool. So we're ending on January 28th, that Saturday, and that Saturday service is a water baptism service. Yeah, a celebration service. So if you have yet to be water baptized, or, or maybe for you, you've been baptized before, but you're saying there's like an awakening in my heart now. I understand the purpose of baptism. Uh, we want to celebrate that with you at our building. So that's January 28th, and you can get all the details online, and they'll be coming out as well. Uh, I pray that this morning, as we've turned to Scripture, that there's something in your heart that is stirring. And what do we do next? Oh, we pray. We just go to the Lord, and we say, God, seal this message in my heart. May I think about it throughout this week. May I be intentional before January 8th comes to decide, here's what the Holy Spirit's calling me to give up for three weeks so that I might experience more of God. And I would love to pray that together now. So would you bow your heads uh, with me and open your hands before him? Father, we thank you that you are gracious to us and that Jesus endured and went without to a degree that we will never know. And it was for the purpose of obtaining us. And we thank you for your grace and your mercies that are new today. And we thank you that even as we here talk of something that is challenging, that it would be a blessing and not a burden to us. 
that we would not see it as a heavy weight to carry, but we would see it as a privilege by which we might draw closer to you this year. God, I pray for our church because I know that the plans you have for us are great this year. There are things that we're believing for, for our church property, for the next phase of a life-giving facility here in this community, for us to strengthen and equip other local churches, for us to keep living out the mission you've called us to live out. God, we turn to you at the start of this year and we say, your will, not ours. You increase, we decrease. May you do that through this beautiful practice of fasting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.